This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... The warm-up is done, it's time to go. Welcome to House of Champions, YouTube friends, dropping your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons as we talk with the main man, Fabrizio Romano. Here we go. I am Ian Joy and I'm joined by the House of Champions dream team once again. Jonathan Johnson over there in Paris. There is my man, Michael LaHood, out there in Austin, Texas, baby. And the hardest working and busiest man on the internet right now is apparently Fabrizio Romano. Fab, how you doing? <laughs> all good, all good, all good, my friend, as always. Thanks, as always. And it's been a really busy weekend with Mikhailo Modric, so many things happening. And always a pleasure to be here with you. Let's not waste any time. To everybody out there, if you have a comment or a question for Fabrizio, please throw it into the chat right there. I'll get the best questions to him as quickly as possible. Fabrizio, let's get straight into it. Chelsea hijacking the deal. Mudrik signs for the Blues. Please tell me there's a great story behind this deal because it all looked like he was going to Arsenal. He was going to be wearing the red. Social media action was taking place. And Chelsea said, no, he's a Blue. What happened? Yeah, it happened that Chelsea had been really strong in their position during the weekend because on Saturday morning they decided to travel to meet Shakhtar in person to offer exactly what Shakhtar wanted. So 100 million euros package, 70 million plus 30 in advance uh, to reach an agreement with Shakhtar in a very fast way after two, three hours meeting. Then in the afternoon to meet immediately with the agents of the player and to tell them that they wanted Mikhailo Mudrik in London on the same day, on Saturday night. So they didn't want to lose any time. They offered him exactly what he wanted with the salary. They spoke to him, I'm told, about the whole project. A few days before this mission, there was already a conversation between Graham Potter and um, 
Mikhailo Mudrik about the Chelsea project, the Chelsea idea. But then also in these meetings on Saturday, uh, they told the player about the world plan. Uh, and for example, they told him at Arsenal, there are many uh, important stars in that position. Saka, Martinelli, here you can be immediately part of the starting eleven. as we have many injuries. Of course, also Chelsea, there are many important players, but a lot of injuries. So the possibility to make an impact. Also telling him about the future project, Chelsea investing on many young players. So it was a long conversation, but during the afternoon, they reached an agreement also with the player. And so we can say that in almost 12 hours, Chelsea have been able to reach an agreement with Shakhtar and with Mikhailo Mudrik and to sign the player. This is an unbelievable story because, as you mentioned, on Thursday night, Arsenal made their third bid for 70 million euros plus 25 in add-ons for Mudrik, but the structure of the add-ons was different uh, and is not normal money. It's 25, 30 million, so it's a big part of the fee, and this is why the structure of the add-ons was crucial for this negotiation and so also the timing, because we have to say that Chelsea timing in this mission was really, really important. So this is how they convinced the player they changed his mind because he wanted to go to Arsenal we know that but they've been able to change his mind to get the green light and to sign Mikhailo Modric in this crazy Saturday yeah crazy Saturday indeed Fab now obviously you've been following the story for a long long time since the beginning of Arsenal's interest as well now tell me honestly what what was the reaction on Arsenal's side when they sort of heard of this concrete interest coming up? Because we know that they've been digging their heels in, uh, you know, trying to get the price that they want, that they believe was the, the fair price. There must have been a lot of frustration uh, on the Arsenal side to hear of Chelsea coming and gazumping them at the last minute. Yes, of course, Arsenal are disappointed, frustrated. But at the same time, I have to tell you the, the, real, the truth of what I heard in this story. On Saturday afternoon, when things were happening and so when Chelsea were ejecting the deal, of course, Arsenal were disappointed because Modric was the top target. They will never deny something that was absolutely real and the world knows that it was the reality. But at the same time, Arsenal were not in panic. Like, okay, we are going to try to make another bid. We're going to try to call the player. We go there too to meet the player and change his mind again was not that kind of reaction. Arsenal have a very clear vision. I think this is why they are top of the Premier League, because their idea completely changed it one year and a half ago when they said, we will do our best in negotiations. So if players want to come, we're happy. If not, we go on different kind of options. So this happened with Dujan Vlaovic. Last January, Vlaovic decided to go to Juventus over Arsenal. To the fan base, it was like a disaster, but then they signed Gabriel Jesus. It was a fantastic signing. Uh, this happened with Lisandro Martinez when he was in the race between Arsenal and, uh, and Manchester United. This happened with Rafinha, who only wanted to go to Barcelona, but Arsenal were in the race too. Uh, this happened with Locatelli, for example. So it happens in, in life and in the transfer market to be in races and then to miss out. This is what happened with Modric. They wanted Modric. He was the top priority. But Arsenal say, we did our best. So if Modric decided to go to Chelsea and they changed the situation in 24 hours, we will move on different targets. So I think they have a very clear vision. They don't want to do crazy things. This is the new vision of Arsenal. And I think this is why the players are reacting very well on the pitch and why the atmosphere in the dressing room is great. Because they feel the club has a vision, has a strategy, and this is really helpful. So I'm sure they are disappointed, but I'm also sure they are not in panic. Yeah, Fab, a couple of our fans asking, so all, all, all of we, excuse me, got a bit of gumdrops in my mouth. What is the vision? You talked about the vision about Arsenal Football Club. What comes next for this vision? I mean, they're top of the league, eight points clear, massive win with a group of players that have been playing games week in and week out. It's going to be an important January transfer window, no? 
Sure, but they want to, to, to sign new players for sure. As Barteta said many times, they know they need players. At least one in offensive position. Let's do if they will do something else. For example, uh, in the right-back positions, they are among many clubs following uh, Ivan Fresneda, this right-back playing for Valladolid, born in 2004, who is really interesting, also in the list of Newcastle and uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, for example, Arsenal are tracking midfielders too, not just strikers. So I expect Arsenal to be busy in the next weeks. But to your question... When I mention the vision and when they mention the vision, because I'm just saying what they what they feel, of course, is that they have very clear ideas and they are not going into bidding wars. This is something that they will not do. They will sign players when they feel that the price, the opportunity, the player idea are on the same page with Arsenal project. If they feel that something is going on different direction, they will not go and maybe overpay or maybe enter in any bidding war. It's not just with Mudrik, it's in general. This is what they want to do. And I think this is really respected by their own players because their own players can feel that the club is not going to destroy the strategies just for one single player. They try to sign the players they want. If they can't, we move a different option. This is what they say. And so... I think this is why this special atmosphere is in Arsenal dressing group, but I agree with you, they need new players and I think they will bring some new player in this general transfer win. Fab, I need, uh, I need you to, to level with me because obviously it's an exciting time for Chelsea bringing in all of these players, but it's also a very worrying time for Chelsea on the pitch when you look at the results and some of the performances. We're talking about this real clear vision that Arsenal have and how it's paying off at the moment with them at the top of the Premier League. It feels, certainly to me, from the outside looking in, that there is no similar vision for Chelsea at this moment in time. Is there anything that you can tell me from what you know that's going on sort of behind the scenes that maybe challenges that or disproves that? Because it feels at this moment in time like Chelsea are just throwing money at basically anything that moves. I think I want to say one thing. I think it's, um, it's pretty clear what you said, that at the moment there is a bit of confusion. I, I understand people can feel that. But it's also true that they changed everything in six months. We have to remember that Chelsea six months ago were not even able to extend the contracts of Rudiger or any other player. So they had new owners, new owners with a lot of money, but also... I want to say a lot of passion because we many things when many times we say owners coming in and maybe you don't even say that you don't even see their face they don't care about the club they just put money and they are not involved in this case they are changing everything into the club but literally anything it's not just about the players it's about the new board this is why I think now is also part of the game to see a bit of different ideas a lot of new people into the club new technical director in Christopher Vivel uh, new sport director uh, in uh, of course Paul Wistanley new co-director of recruitment will arrive in February with Joe Shields and uh, Lauren Stewart. So a lot of people coming to the club, a lot of ideas, a lot of names, a lot of options. So now they need, I think, to find their balance. But the intention is very clear. They're investing on young players. This is what they want to do, to invest on top talents and to build something for the future. So I agree on your point that uh, it's not clear what they're doing right now. But I think with long-term vision, it's very clear that they want to build on top talents. They want to invest a lot of money on young players. And this is what they will try to do. So this season is really difficult. As you mentioned on the pitch, uh, it's pretty clear. But it's also true that they are building for the future. Mudrik signed a deal for eight years. It's a lot of time. Same for Baliashil. So it's about the future for, for Chelsea. And I think it will take some time. It's normal to be in this process, I think. Do you know what the problem is, Fabrizio, is that when Bolly bought a football club, he thought it was a 52-man roster, so he's trying to buy <laughs> 52 players from around the world. He thought it was the NFL. He forgot it was the Premier League, man. The guy's absolutely brilliant. Listen, I love all the news that's coming out of the transfer. Keeps you busy. Your timeline's going crazy. I'm trying to watch what's happening with JJ and James Bench breaking news. I absolutely love it. 
and so do our comments that are coming in right now. There are a few of them. Suko Nation says, please, let's forget about this Mudrig thing. Please, let's move on from it. <laughs> but the question really is, who's next for Chelsea? That comes from KSA Man. And also, Boy Zagaya, he says, why is no top team talking about Zaha, who just played against Chelsea this weekend? So, any thoughts on what could be next for Chelsea Football Club? Are they stopping? Are they going to sign more players? And could Zaha be that man? No, for Zaha, I think at the moment uh, it's something for the summer uh, because he's out of contract with Crystal Palace. There is still no agreement to extend the contract. Palace will fight to extend his contract because Patrick Vieira is a big fan of Zaha. He's trying to push the player to sign a new deal. So in general, they don't want to negotiate. Uh, also with the risk of having a player leaving on a free in the summer. But at the moment, the Zaha situation is quiet. And for Chelsea, I think now the focus will be on a new midfielder because it's true that they had conversations with Donny Madweke. It's true that they had conversations with Marcus Thuram. So they have many players in the list in attacking positions. But now after Joao Felix and uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, I think the focus will be on new midfielder. I would keep an eye again on Moises Caicedo, Brighton midfielder, because the manager knows him very well. And so this can help in a difficult moment with Chelsea to bring in a player who knows very well the ideas of the coach. Uh, also, he's really appreciated internally. Paul Winstanley, for example, is coming from Brighton and he knows the player and his representatives very well. So Caicedo is an option. Caicedo is an option for Chelsea. We know how tough it is to negotiate with Brighton especially in January when Roberto Lezzerbi hopes to keep all the players. But at the same time, I think Caicedo is going to be the next priority for Chelsea. Fab, shifting countries over to La Liga, uh, Spanish Super Cup finish up Madrid, Barcelona, and going to Barcelona, a player that's been out of favor, Memphis Depay, played well for the Dutch national team at the World Cup. There's links to Atletico Madrid. Is there certainty about this or is there any news that's been brewing about this? Because this could be a big move should it unfold. Yes, what I'm told at the moment, uh, then let's see if in the facts will be like this, but uh, what I'm told is that between Memphis Depay and Barcelona is over. So the player has decided to leave. Now, uh, the idea at the beginning of the market was to stay for him maybe to move in the summer as free agent. But then after two weeks, Xavi is not using him. Uh, he's feeling that now Barcelona are going with different ideas in that position. So Memphis Depay, after meeting with his lawyers, he decided to leave Barca. So Memphis wants to go. And now for Barcelona, it's an important situation to resolve because they need to find a solution for Memphis but it's not easy because he's out of contract in the summer so the player wants to find a good opportunity also because otherwise he can wait for summer move but now his priority too is to leave Barcelona so Atletico Madrid want Memphis Depay is their priority they really want him to reply to replace uh, Joe Felix they consider him the perfect opportunity on the market they are looking for that kind of player a cheap opportunity but an important name like Memphis Depay so the perfect target for Atletico Madrid there are conversations ongoing it's not easy because for example the two clubs discussed the potential swap deal with with Carrasco, with Lemar, but no agreement at all on the value of the players. So at the moment, no swap deal happening between, between Atletico Madrid and Barcelona. So Atletico and Barca are speaking about the formula of the deal. Let's see if they can find an agreement on a loan or not. There are negotiations ongoing. The player would be keen on the move. Memphis Depay, from what I'm told, would be really happy to join Atletico Madrid. We had rumors also about Inter, but at the moment, uh, Inter are not yet confirming any advance at all to sign Memphis Depay. So let's see if something will change. And I think the big favorite is Atletico Madrid, also more than English clubs. And speaking of players uh, looking to be on the move this month, Fab, you've already touched on Brighton and Hove Albion. Leandro Trossard, what's the what's the latest there? I think we've got a question that's come up in the comments as well, uh, directed towards this subject from Aaron. Any news on Leandro Trossard moving to either Tottenham, Arsenal or Chelsea? Tottenham had a formal bid rejected. Where is he likely to go at this stage as Arsenal also pursues the winger and striker? 
Yes, let's see what happens now with Arsenal. Honestly, at the moment, from what I'm told, there was still no direct contact between Arsenal and Trossard representatives or Brighton. So let's see. Now, I think it's normal. This weekend, they took some time for, of course, the game and to understand what they want to do after the Mudrik deal. And so now we will see what will be the strategy. Trossard could be an option, but it's just my idea. In the reality, at the moment, there are no, no contacts. It's true that Tottenham approached Brighton. It was a few days ago at the moment, not reaching any agreement, but it's true that Tottenham are interested in Trossard. It's one of the options they are considering. He's a player appreciated, but at the moment, he's still not at advanced stages yet. I think the player will leave in January. The player wants to go. His relationship with uh, the Zerbi and with Brighton in general is broken. So the player asked the club to leave immediately. And I think in the next days there will be developments for a player who is really interesting, uh, Premier League proven. So it could be, I think, could be big opportunity in the final days of the window. And assuming that he does move on, are there any sort of noises coming out as to who Brighton might target to try and replace him? Because you'd feel like Brighton would probably have to make at least one move this window and, uh, and try and get somebody in if he was to leave. I think they will consider many options as always. They have many options. They're very creative on the market. So I would not be surprised if they go not from Premier League clubs, but maybe from some other country to find an opportunity. I'm told they are exploring the market, still nothing decided. Honestly, I would not be surprised if they tried some Serie A player because Roberto Rezzerbi knows them very well, knows the players in Serie A very well. And so this could be the market for Brighton to attack and find a replacement for, uh, for Trossard. But at the moment, it's still not something advanced. Ah, Fab, we have to now go to Serie A, Calcio, Liga Calcio, something you know in the league you know. We miss the Zerbi, let me say. We miss the Zerbi in Serie A because he's doing an incredible job with Brighton. I want to mention that because um, I think what he did in the Liverpool game, but in general, to arrive after Graham Potter, who who was doing fantastic at Brighton and have that kind of impact on his first experience in Premier League, we are really proud of Roberto de Zerbi, but we miss him here at Sassuolo and in Serie A in general. Oh, one team that looks like they could be missing a striker option, AC Milan. They have Olivia Giroud. He's getting older, but they are linked, possibly linked to another player in Syria, Atalanta, possibly. Could you tell us a bit more about that? I can tell you that Milan will not sign strikers. From what I'm told, Milan will continue with Giroud, Origi, waiting for him to be in good physical conditions, and waiting for Zlatan, Ibrahimovic, because mm-hmm. Ibrahimovic is expected to return maybe in February, end of February, beginning of March. This is the expectation. Uh, so at the moment, Milan mission is not to sign a new striker. Probably is to sign a new goalkeeper because they're having some problems with Tatarusano. He's not performing at top level. Mike Magnan is still injured. And so this is a problem for Milan. Uh, Sportiello could be an option. Atalanta, goalkeeper. This could be a possibility because they have an agreement to sign Sportiello for the summer. He's free agent in the summer. So they have an agreement with the player to join a free in July. They are trying to anticipate the deal in January, but it's not easy at all to negotiate with Atalanta as always in Italian football so let's see if they will find a solution for the striker I think they will continue with Giroud with Ibrahimovic and with Origi and they will try to push again to extend the contract of Rafa Leao this is this is the real mission for Milan in January to extend Rafa Leao contract because it's the main priority for the club all right, but JJ's got a great question for you in just a moment here. He's also talking about Udinese, just a little bit, a PC dead with Udinese, player. But let me just get into Juventus real quickly because we talked about it obviously last week, Juve against Napoli. Juve were hammered in that game for Brizio. They were absolutely hammered. Um, I'm expecting a bit of a reaction from Juventus. Obviously, they've got a cup game coming up this week, but also in the transfer market as well. We have a question coming in from Aaron. He once again asked, what's the possibilities of Juventus selling a player? Could they sell Locatelli or Vlahovic? In particular, no. Vlahovic. I mean, I guess... I guess that's where my mind is going right now. I, I like the player. I don't think he fits Juve personally. I'd like to see him move to like a Bayern Munich or somewhere like that. But at the same time, what about Juventus? Are they going to be active on the transfer market, you think? 
I think no, honestly. I think Juventus will try to keep this squad and then in the summer maybe to change many things. But at the moment for Juventus, the idea is to continue with the squad, is to trust the young players. I don't see them selling Locatelli. Uh, on Vlaovic, I understand many people th- can think, oh, Vlaovic is not playing, he's never playing for Juventus, but this is because he's injured. We already mentioned here many times that Vlaovic is injured, and this is also a problem uh, for the clubs who want to sign him in, in January. So I think he's not happening in January. At the moment, there is nothing advanced between Vlaovic and any club for a January move. In the summer, I would not be surprised if some big club will arrive and attack Dusan Vlaovic as, as main option. But at the moment, it's really a quiet situation. I think Juve will try to continue with this squad maybe to change something if they receive an important bid for Weston McKennie. As we always say, Weston McKennie could be one of the players on the move. But at the moment, there is still no official bid. Aston Villa called a few weeks ago, but nothing happened. They were not following with a bid or something else. So at the moment, the situation is still quiet. Let's see if McKennie leaves, if they will try to bring in a new midfielder. But at the moment, it's really quiet around Juventus. Mm. Yeah, as uh, as Ian suggested, I, I do have an interview coming up with uh, Udinese's Gerard de Lefau. Uh Talked to him about a number of different topics, uh, notably being in demand in January. This interesting season that Udinese are having where they started really well. They've now gone on this long winless run, but they're still in the top half of the table. Now, regarding him... Obviously, we've heard about interest from Villa before. I think his agent even came out and confirmed that there have been some questions. But like with McKinney, uh, we haven't heard of any sort of firm bid that's been followed up then. Uh, and now Villa have gone for uh, the youngster Duran from uh, Chicago Fire. Does that potentially spell the end of Villa's interest in uh, somebody like uh, De Olofau? I think the real problem, more than new players signing like uh, Duran, as you mentioned, is that Udinese don't want to sell Delofeo in January. They have no intention to sell their stars in January in general. This already happened with Rodrigo uh, De Paul in the past. They always turned down many important proposals and they sold him to Atletico Madrid in the summer. So the idea for, uh, for Udinese is to keep their best players in January. They want to protect the team and, and I think this is the main problem. More than Aston Villa bringing in Duran, who is a very interesting talent, I think it's about... Udinese wanting to keep uh, to keep De Olofeu. For example, I'm told that also Wolves manager Lopetegui is a big fan of De Olofeu. So it's true that Aston Villa like him, but also Wolves have been tracking him. But they signed Mateo Cunha. They signed many players eh, because Wolves have been really busy on the market with uh, Mario Leminage, Juan Gomez from Flamengo. So Wolves will be also really busy in the next days. But I think De Olofeu has a very good chance to complete the season at Udinese and then move probably in the summer. And he deserves a big move because he's doing a fantastic season with, uh, with Udinese. Hey, Fabrizio, our time is up with you, but real quickly, what does your day look like? I mean, what time do you go to sleep? <laughs> what time do you wake up? Do you get a workout in? Are you eating properly? Yes, I'm acting like your mother here, but no, I'm worried about you. I'm, I'm not eating properly at, at all, but this is a, this is another topic. We can have a House of Champion podcast on, on this. This is not a good topic. But uh, no, no, no. My, my life in this moment, you know, when there is a transfer market, I go to sleep like 3 or 4 a.m. I wake up around 9, 9.30, and... Uh, and that's it. Five hours is fine during the transfer window. Then I try to relax a bit more in February, March. It's fine. <laughs> I love to hear it, man. We appreciate you, Fabrizio. Everybody out there Thank appreciates you. you. Everybody had so many questions about Mudrik. We covered it intensely. Thank you very much, Fabrizio. We'll see you again on Wednesday. Uh, to everybody else, stay right there. We're going to be right back. The boys are going to jump on uh, what's been happening around Chelsea Football Club. And we'll dive in a little bit deeper after what Fabrizio just revealed about Chelsea and that Mudrik deal. So stay right there. House of Champions. We'll be right back. Fabrizio, Thank take you. care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Just for everybody out there, please make sure you stay up to date with every single story and every heart-pounding moment from the world of elite soccer with the Galazzo Starting Eleven newsletter from CBS Sports. Yes, that's right. It's your ultimate guide to the beautiful game, taking you beyond the pitch and around the globe with expert analysis of everything that you need to know in the world of soccer. Sign up today for free at cbssports.com slash Galazzo. Once again, it's the Galazzo Starting Eleven newsletter, and you can sign up for free at cbssports.com slash Galazzo. Welcome back to House of Champions, everybody. We've got a few champions in the house. Jonathan Johnson, Michael Hood. Let's react, guys. Let's react. I mean, listen, there's so much happening around the transfer window. I was a little bit concerned about Fabrizio. I want to make sure he's eating properly. He's got a good workout in. All right, and he's sleeping enough. Five hours seems to be okay through our transfer window. I'm okay with that. Four to five hours, that works for me. Uh, but let's get into it. I mean, Chelsea Football Club have made an unbelievable amount of signings. Um, if you'd like me to uh, list the names off for you, I can. Um, but there have been so many signings. Um, I'm a little bit confused as to where they go from here because... Obviously, you make this Mudrik signing. In my opinion, it's a personal signing. It's also a connection between Shakhtar and Chelsea Football Club, which we all recognize. And $25 million, if I'm not mistaken, has been donated to Ukraine for their, their uh, uh, charity, is trying to help them in their, their fight, of course, which is going on currently. Um, but what's next for Chelsea, Mike? I mean, Chelsea Football Club have got all these players. You've got to try and keep all of them happy. Oh, by the way, you've got to try and put a team out there to still win games and try not to get your boss fired. <sighs> Man, this club has no strategy. <laughs> it's so hard to predict what is next because once you think that they're going after well-to-do players and really well-made players, players who have a good CV, you saw that at the start of the season with a player like Obama Yang, and he hasn't really proven himself at Chelsea Football Club because he's just not in form. He, mentally, he's not the same sort of player. They've gone towards, okay, we're going to go with youth. And then they're giving these long-term contracts, but they're hijacking deals. The the Baldeshiel move, Benoit Baldeshiel, I can understand that, but the hijack the Mudrik move and to do eight eight and a half years of a deal, I, I think they're all over the place. And I think this is the cause and the effect of when you don't have a sporting director, when your owner is acting as sporting director, it's going to create chaos. There's absolute chaos at Chelsea Football Club because yes, you're creating these new sightings, you're bringing in new talent, but what happens? when all these players are healthy and fit. These are players who are brought in. The 13 players already are brought in and expecting to play. There's only 11 spots on the field, and you already have players who were part of the previous era under Thomas Tuchel, who were part of that Champions League winning run, that they're expecting to play. I don't see this playing out well for Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think it's very, very difficult to discern any sort of strategy outside of the fact that there are some, you know, good, talented young players, uh, you know, who can potentially have the the team built around them moving forward at some point. But for that to actually sort of have any merit, uh, you know, you have to be willing to to give the manager time. You have to have the right kind of, uh, you know, sporting setup. And okay, you know, Chelsea are making hires at the moment, so we can't really. 
you know, judge them on that. The jury's out uh, for now, um, you know, so to speak. But also at the same time, if you speak to anyone who's been in contact with Chelsea sort of since the Bully takeover, nobody has any idea really of what's going on. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different people within the organization moving towards doing different things, uh, you know, and there's no sort of straight, direct, uh, you know, um, strategy that's just leading to one place with one objective at the moment perhaps that's uh, you know a bridge that they will cross uh, you know when they get their first setback which let's be honest looks like it's probably going to happen this season you know they're not in the running for european qualification at the moment uh, and potter is finding it very very difficult uh, you know walking following in uh, tuckel's footsteps so you know it is it is a very messy situation. Can it be salvaged in the future? Of course it can. When you've got talent, uh, you know, of the ability that Chelsea are bringing through the door at Stamford Bridge at the moment, of course there is the possibility of, uh, you know, turning that team into a very, very good, very strong, very competitive outfit. But I don't see that happening, you know, overnight. Uh, and I think the real crucial, um, you know, uh, decision that needs to be made soonish, uh, you know, for Chelsea is if they're going to stand by Potter or not. Because if you look at, uh, you know, sort of the the previous coaches, the, you know, Potter's predecessors and coaches of, uh, you know, in similar situations at similar uh, sort of clubs of a similar caliber to Chelsea. Uh, you know, you don't get that much time when you're in a run of results like this, but Chelsea, you know, wanted to make a statement, uh, you know, when they replaced Thomas Tuchel, somebody who'd won the Champions League. Uh, you know, I think that they now absolutely have to stand by their man, give him the time, uh, you know, to be able to build this uh, team up because the success that Potter enjoyed at Brighton, you know, that wasn't an overnight job. That took Correct. years of hard work and, you know, polishing the, the players and, you know, fine tuning. Uh, and that's what Chelsea need to commit to now, because if they don't and it just continues, you know, buying everything that moves, uh, you know, everything that shines, uh, it's, you know, it's it's nonsensical because at this moment in time, there there is no strategy outside of every big name. Chelsea make a move for them. Listen, there's a lot of conversation going on in the chat right now. Luigi jumping in and saying that the new players are phasing out the old and lazy ones. He also says that we're building for next season and Bolly wants the young players. Rafa jumping in with his comment saying, Luigi, your best player well, is... A build, building for next season though, but what is next season going to look like for Chelsea? Because it's not going to be in Europe at this rate. Well, listen, it's a great question and we discussed yeah. it obviously already, but let's get back into it, JJ, about um, obviously Graham Potter. If you look at the players, and Michael mentioned it correctly, um, the long-term effect is clearly stated here with the players getting long-term contracts here. Raheem Sterling, five-year contract. Koulibaly, four-year contract. Kukurea got himself a nice six-year contract. Um, what Fafana got a seven-year contract. Uh, Chukawimeka, he got a six-year contract. I mean, uh, Slonina came in and got a, a long-term contract. Uh, Kasadei, he got a six-year contract. Who knows what's going to happen with Zakaria? Mudrik, apparently, seven and a half year with a one-year option, so an eight and a half year contract. I could go on and on and on and on. I mean, these are this is a long-term play. You don't normally see these types of contracts in soccer. You just don't. You do see them in American sports when it comes to baseball, maybe. Not NFL, but baseball in particular. And maybe that's the effect of having an American ownership here. I don't want to, to crap on Chelsea whatsoever, but if they're buying for the long-term vision, then surely, JJ, they should be sticking with a Graham Potter recognizing that this is going to take time for him to one first and foremost get the trust of these players because he's got so many players to deal with a lot of players who have been unhappy you have a new ownership so you've got to try and calm what's happening around the football club before you can eventually put the product out there on the pitch if they fire Graham Potter 
What does that mean for Chelsea Football Club? I feel like they take a step backwards. I understand what everybody's saying. He's not the right man for Chelsea. He doesn't fit Chelsea. How do we know? He's not being given enough time as far as I'm concerned. I think you've got to give him that time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And the other thing you've got to remember as well is, you know, Chelsea, with all due respect to Brighton, a, a club who are fantastically innovative in what they do and, you know, ahead of the curve in so many ways, uh, you know, it's just not at all the same challenge that, that Potter is facing there. Uh, you know, and I think, you know, as well, you drew the parallel between, uh, you know, baseball and football. The thing is, the short-term pressures uh, in football, especially at a club like Chelsea, a club that has enjoyed success at the highest level, the Champions League in recent years, uh, you know, that that short-term pressure, that expectation is massive. Will the Chelsea fan base accept not being in Europe next season, which looks like a distinct possibility at this moment in time? I really don't think that they will. What I fear about this is you're giving players long-term commitments, but the manager, there's a question mark. What happens when the new manager comes in? With Graham Potter's fate, I don't think Graham Potter survives the length of the stay of most of these players. So if a new manager comes in and you have an owner who's acting as sporting director and he continues to sign players that he wants, there's a disconnect with the club. Graham Potter's not signing these players. It's Todd Bowley going out, doing the Amazon Prime shopping list and saying, Makai hmm, Mudrik, hmm? I read Fabrizio Mano's tweet. I'm going to go and fly to Ukraine, wherever he is, to go and pick him up. Well, if, if a manager, say it's Mauricio Pochettino or Deserbi that comes in, they're going to want to bring in their own players. The big issue I have with the current state of Chelsea Football Club, yes, I'm all for bringing in young players and, and giving commitments, not eight and a half year deals, but giving commitments and saying, hey, we're going to go young, but they still have the old guard. They've done nothing about it. You have to get, if you don't want Jorginho in the long term, you have to use this window, not just to sign players, but to get players out. The summer window for Chelsea Football Club, that will be the most telling about what the future holds. If these players are still around for another couple of years, it's going to be a long, long, long next few seasons for the club. There's a lot of comments coming in right now. Thanks to everybody out there for jumping in the conversation. We appreciate you. We see you as well. We can see it. Saruba, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly there. Sam Potter just going absolutely nowhere. No one's firing him. I appreciate that. Obviously, Luigi jumping in and saying, Bolly ain't stupid putting him in that position and also recognizing that, you know, they're trying to pivot in the summer and make sure that they make it a success. But considering what's happening this season, JJ, what would be a success? This is also a question to you, Chelsea fans who are in the chat and to other fans out there who are following what's happening at Chelsea Football Club. Let us know what you think would be a success for Chelsea this season because the season's not done yet. There's a lot to play for for Chelsea Football Club and JJ, they could still get it right. But what would be considered a success? I mean, they could still get it right, but I mean, let's think about the situation. Are they out of both domestic cups now? Uh, so I think it's what, just the league that they're left to play for. I mean, okay, you know, five points at this moment in time, which I think is the gap between them and Spurs, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Uh, yeah, it does, does look like it. You know, that's not insurmountable. You know, you can definitely overcome that. But the thing is, is it making Graham Potter's life any easier if he's got a new star player added to the roster every single week? You know, he had to put Joao Felix straight into the lineup. You know, that spectacularly backfired is Felix going to be at Stamford Bridge beyond the end of this season you you know we can debate that given the nature of the the deal that's taken him there uh, and it's you know it just feels like the best chance that Chelsea have of salvaging something from this season and getting themselves into a European spot of some sort uh, you know is by actually uh, you know giving Potter a group of players and saying right this is the set roster between now and the end of the season you know go about your work uh, you know, show us, uh, you know, which players feature in your plans, which players don't, uh, you know, and he has to try and make that uh, workable on the pitch. 
people have to recognize that there is a chance, a significant chance that it doesn't. It takes a bit longer and Chelsea do miss out on Europe. But, uh, you know, I think that the pressure will be, will get to a, you know, a deafening level for, for Potter if Chelsea are sort of in this position out of the European reckoning come the, the final few games of the season. All right, that's the Premier League. But what about the Champions League? They play Borussia Dortmund, Mike, in the Champions League. And in many ways, Dortmund have got their own mess to sort out right now. But I would fancy Chelsea to go through there. And if they start to get to the closing stages of the knockout rounds, there's always a chance that Chelsea could spring a surprise once again. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, Ian, you read my mind because we've seen them have success. What hasn't happened in the Cups, what hasn't happened, happened in the Premier League so far has happened in the Champions League. They've rallied around that competition. They're bringing in players who have starred in the UEFA Champions League who will use it and could potentially use it as a springboard to unify this team. I still think, though, that if this team and this group of players are to have success, Graham Potter, his future needs to stop being put in doubt by Todd Bowley. And if Todd Bowley comes out publicly and commits to Graham Potter, not just the players, but to the manager, I think it will have a calming effect on the group as a whole. All right. Great comments coming in. They continue to fly in there. Keep them coming in, guys. Thank you so much, Vic. You're very active about Chelsea. We know you're a big Chelsea fan there. We don't care if we don't make Europa. We don't care. We don't care. Jorginho will leave on a free transfer. Uncle Mike, drop the mic, he says right here. Um, Upa Dehaya, he says, we're going for a right back and an attacking midfielder. Felix Sterling, Mudrik will start. Uh, great comments coming in right there. AB jumping in and saying, Chelsea to finish fifth in the league, a good run in the Champions League would be a success and recruited players getting enough minute last comment coming in uh, from Zoraba he's also saying that we will beat Borussia Dortmund which is a difficult ask I'm just going to say it right here JJ I, I do think Chelsea are favorites right but just let me point this out here great great story obviously what's happening Bundesliga comes back this week but Sebastian Allaire is back training mm. and in his first game back JJ he scored a hat trick for Borussia Dortmund in seven minutes he was on the field for 29 minutes great to see him back but this is not a walk in the park for Chelsea Football Club Dortmund in that first game away is a tough game for Chelsea yeah, I mean, it's an absolutely phenomenal experience to anyone who hasn't, uh, you know, sampled a, a Dortmund away day. I highly recommend it. Uh, and it is it, it is a difficult atmosphere to, to go and play in front of, especially when you're not sure of yourselves, both collectively and individually. Uh, you know, and if there's no sort of semblance of a plan under Potter, you know, I mean, yes, I can see the logic in these arguments. Of course, you can't write Chelsea off as if they've already gone out of the Champions League before they actually have. Uh, you know, and sort of based on the the two squads alone, when you're looking at it on paper, yes, Chelsea would be favourites to to you know to advance past Dortmund, but. You know, I don't think Dortmund have the same sort of identity issues at this moment in time that Chelsea do. That you know, at least you know they're buying into what Terzic is is trying to achieve. Okay, perhaps there's question marks about how the management of the club uh, are going about this with some of the biggest players leaving. Uh, you know, difficulties in tying down some of the top talents, but it's not the same sort of crisis that that Chelsea are going through at the moment, where you know, you you don't know what's going to be happening sort of day to day, week to week, uh, you know. And I think as long as Chelsea back Potter, you know, they have a chance of being able to start to put together a good run of form. And like we saw under Thomas Tuchel, you know, he walked in when Chelsea were... I mean, I'm not going to say in disarray, uh, you know, but they didn't look healthy. Uh, you know, this I get, I think in comparison to that would be, you know, considered disarray. 
But, uh, you know, we can't write Chelsea off, of course not, because of what was achieved in the last couple of years. But equally, do I fancy Chelsea to pull off some sort of underdog run in the Champions League? No, not unless there's, you know, a greater, uh, you know, show of faith, uh, you know, towards Potter. Uh, and that's I'm not just talking about the, the club leadership either. I'm also talking about seeing those players actually starting to buy into what he's trying to get them to do on the pitch. All right. Uh, another great comment, Mike, just jumping in here. Simeon Kumwenda, he says, uh, Chelsea are lacking leadership both on the field and upstairs. Chelsea have always been known for having concentrated leadership on and off the field. Go ahead, Mike. I'm, I'm intrigued by the Dortmund matchup because Chelsea, a club that has eyed young talent, giving big contracts to young talent. Dortmund, a club that is a selling club that has young talent. Jude Bellingham playing with the likes of a striker, Sebastian Allaire. Makoko, these are young players. I would not be surprised if Todd Bowley tries to pursue after Dortmund puts a beat down on them because there's no way. I always say there's no way in hell because there's no way in hell Chelsea is going to beat Borussia Dortmund. That's I mean, is there, any, is there any player that Bowley has not looked at and thought, hmm, you know what, wouldn't mind seeing him coming to Stamford Bridge? Uh, the goalkeeper on my men's league team, he's up. He's young. Hey, hey Mike, <laughs> he, uh, the rumor has it he tried to sign Aaron Judge from the New York Yankees as well to put him up strikers. <laughs> but um, Real quickly, just from both of your prediction here, do they make it through past Borussia Dortmund and where do they finish in the table, Mike, then JJ? Borussia Dortmund? Do they, make it past, do they make it past Borussia Dortmund? Chelsea, of course, we're talking about Chelsea. Uh, do Chelsea. they make it past um, Dortmund? And no. where do they finish in the Premier League? I think they lose to Dortmund in the Champions League. I think there will be too much pressure on them, too much pressure on the group as a whole. Because I think of injuries and the players coming back from injuries. It will be too chaotic for them. And in the Premier League, I think they finish seventh. JJ? It's difficult to disagree with Mike. Uh, I think that Dortmund uh, will probably edge them out. I think obviously having Eller back, uh, you know, that established goal scoring presence, someone who was so hot in the Champions League last season on Paramount Plus, uh, you know, I think he's going to be a big, big boost. I'm curious to see, uh, you know, sort of how soon he can actually be involved sort of, you know, upwards of an hour in these competitive games, because I think that is, I mean, it is a new signing essentially because he wasn't even able to debut competitively, I don't think. So yeah, for me, I think that, I, I think, I'd be more willing to put my money on Dortmund at this moment in time. And for Chelsea, I think they'll try and make a fist of, uh, you know, breaking into the European positions in the league. But I ultimately think they fall fall short there as well. Wow. Wow. Big comments. Hey, listen, thanks to everybody out there for jumping in the comments today and really appreciate you sharing your words. All you Chelsea fans out there, we understand you're on a bit of a high right now with Mudrik. Enjoy that moment because the games are coming thick and fast for you. It's now down to business. Once you have the full squad of players, it's really important for you to try and get the results. Vic, jumping in with a final comment before we get out of here and saying, no way Chelsea beat Dortmund. I will remind you of that one, Mike. Ha ha ha, says Vic. <laughs> James, last one, says, it's good Mike is just expressing thoughts, not too legs of the matches yeah let's not forget about that one i'm actually going for chelsea to knock them out i think dortmund will be good in the first leg that first leg as uh jj pointed out there's a difficult one for anyone to go to yeah. the westfalen stadion and uh, try to get a result it's always going to be difficult so i think it'll be a cracking game barnstormer and i hope that alia does make his uh, debut soon in the bundesliga and gets back to full fitness that's where he needs to be for dortmund to have any chance of competing in my opinion for a top two position in the bundesliga but also for uh, a little bit of a later knockout stage and then Chelsea I think they make it into the seventh position in the table it will be a battle 
That's it for us, guys. Thanks to everybody out there for jumping in the conversation. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. Also, to House of Champions, take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as videos, so subscribe to us on YouTube. Boys, I appreciate you. We'll be back again this week. We're very active. Make sure you enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your night. Fabrizio will be back with us again on Wednesday. So to everybody out there, please make sure you tune in with us. JJ, enjoy Parisian night tonight. Make sure you enjoy it with a glass of wine and uh, keep Nigel Rio Coker off your phone. Michael, enjoy your day, buddy. And everybody out there, thanks so much for tuning in to the channel. See you